Um, Al's going to come and just tell us a bit more about Easter. Let's welcome him up. Hey, thanks, Rich. Happy Easter. Good to see you this morning. Um, I heard a story of an Australian family who were on holiday in Israel. And uh, sadly, while they were there, tragedy struck and the granny of the party died. Uh, the son-in-law, he had to take charge of the funeral arrangements. And uh, as you can imagine, a bit difficult being so far from home in a foreign country. The, uh, the Israeli officials did their best to, to help. But um, I guess the sort of snag was that the, he had two options, this uh, son-in-law. He said, you know, we can either fly your mother-in-law back uh, to Australia. It's going to cost about $10,000. It's quite expensive. Uh, travel insurance doesn't cover it, I'm afraid. Or we can, uh, we can bury her here in Israel, $200. And uh, the son-in-law thought about it and uh, then quickly decided, I think I'm going to have her flown back to Australia. Um, now, the, the guy in Israel was a bit, I mean, he could understand it, but he said, are you sure? Are you sure? It's very expensive. He said, yeah, I, I am sure. He said, 2,000 years ago, they buried a guy in Israel, and three days later, he came back from the dead. <laughs> I just can't take that chance with my mother-in-law. <laughs> Apologies to mother-in-laws this morning. But, uh, of course, it's just a joke, isn't it? Because people don't rise from the dead normally. But we've been singing uh, and praying and hearing already about Jesus rising from the dead 2,000 years ago. Why should we believe it? Why should we celebrate it? What if you were here this morning? You might be here this morning. Uh, you know, someone invited you along. You, you thought you'd come, but uh, you're not uh, quite convinced by this whole Jesus rising from the dead kind of thing. You're confused, um, or you just don't believe it uh, straight out. But we're going to look uh, this morning at... Uh, an account of what happens that first Easter Sunday from people who were actually there at the time, eyewitness evidence. And we're going to learn some important things that give us confidence about the Easter message of Jesus, um, but also they are good for you to hear if you're not sure that this is true, because you'll see a little bit later that you're in really good company if you're confused or not sure about it uh, because that was the initial reaction of the first people who witnessed it. So we're going to read from uh, Mark's Gospel, one of the four Gospel uh, accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, <clears throat> uh, we're reading from Mark chapter 16. The words will come up on the screen. <clears throat> when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the, away, roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. 
Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. It's all about uh, these first witnesses to the resurrection, the two Marys, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and uh, a lady called Salome. And we're going to look at three things that we learn about them. This morning, the first one is that they knew Jesus had really died. They knew Jesus had really died. Now, it might sound like a little bit obvious, but it's important to say that because one theory that maybe some people have about how Jesus came back to life was that he never actually died. Um, he fainted or, or something like that, some kind of condition, and, and uh, he was in the, in the tomb, the, the cold tomb. He came round again and was revived. Um, a few years ago, I went to uh, had a tour of a, a cemetery in London. I don't normally hang around in cemeteries uh, or have guided tours, but this is a very special cemetery in London. It's called Highgate Cemetery, um, one of the first public cemeteries in England that wasn't uh, in a churchyard. And it's an amazing place, actually. Lots of famous people are buried there. And lots of the graves themselves are kind of listed buildings, listed monuments. They are amazing architectural features. About 60 listed buildings in this, um, in this cemetery. And many of them are like tombs above ground with a door. And apparently this became popular. They said this on the tour. This became popular to have a sort of above ground tomb with a door. Um, because people started to worry... Um, particularly wealthy people started worried, worrying about being sort of buried alive and maybe they weren't properly dead. And so people would uh, have a bell next to their coffin and if they, by some chance, were managed to be revived and they could pop out of the coffin, they could ring the bell and each evening they had someone going around the graveyard listening out uh, for a period of time to see if any bells were being rung so they'd go and let them out. I'm not sure if it actually ever happened But this is the kind of thing that you can do when you've got a bit of money in Victorian times. But there was no question about Jesus coming around and popping out of the tomb. Because he was well and truly dead. And the women knew this. Um, uh, They'd seen him die. You can read in the previous chapter of Mark. Um, They watched him die. They saw the two Marys. They saw Jesus' body being laid in the tomb. And Mark also wants to make it really clear in his accounts that Jesus was really dead in another way. Um, After Jesus died, there was this guy called Joseph of Arimathea. He went to ask the Roman governor Pilate for Jesus' body so he could respectfully bury him. And Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus had died Already, because crucifixion took a long time. But then he calls in a Roman centurion who confirms, yes, Jesus has died. And these Romans, they really knew what they were doing uh, in terms of killing people. Crucifixion, their speciality. And here you have a Roman centurion, an expert, confirming, yes, Jesus, he is 
dead. Then you've got the women uh, going at the beginning of our, the bit we read, uh, going and buying spices and heading for Jesus' tomb to anoint his body. It wasn't something to preserve the body. It was a bit like, I suppose, the equivalent today of putting flowers uh, on someone's coffin. It was a sort of mark of respect to honor them. You don't go doing that if you think the person might actually still be alive. And they went to the tomb expecting to find Jesus' dead body. And they were thinking, how are we going to roll the stone away? They weren't thinking Jesus would come out and use the inside handle on the stone and uh, go out the door. No, how are we going to move this massive stone to, to get to Jesus' dead body and put these spices on him? No, he was definitely dead. And these women knew that. So it's really important, I think, for us to know Jesus really did die. Partly so we can think, actually, the resurrection wasn't a hoax. But also, really importantly, Jesus said he was going to die and rise from the dead. But he talked about what his death was going to achieve. It wasn't a terrible accident. It was part of his mission. It was a central part of his mission why he came. A number of times, in a number of ways, Jesus talked about The fact that he was going to give his life to save us, to bring us back into relationship with God. He said in one place, he said he was going to give his life as a ransom for many, to set us free. Uh, Saw a few weeks ago in our series on John's Gospel, he he said he was a good shepherd who who lays down his life for the sheep. Another place, he says that his blood was going to be poured out for the forgiveness of of sins. I'm sure many of you were shocked by the Notre Dame uh, fire uh, this last week. Um, terrible uh, disaster. Um, but one of the stories that kind of emerged from it was some of the kind of heroes who risked their lives going into the burning building to save parts of the building and to save. Um, priceless historical objects and works of art. Um, I know that it sort of does fit with Easter that they, they pulled out what they believe is the band from the crown of thorns and a, a piece of wood from the cross and one of the nails which Jesus was crucified with. I can't comment this morning on whether they are the genuine article or not. But thankfully no one died trying to save these items from the flames. But sometimes people do die, don't they? They do die. Heroes do die. Firefighters and other people saving people from danger. But dying isn't... You can save someone without necessarily dying in that kind of way. But it's different, though, with what Jesus said. When Jesus said he was going to die to save us, he had to die. He wasn't just risking his life. He had to give his life. So for Jesus, it's a little bit more like stepping into, say you've got someone who's going to be executed for the wrong they've done. And Jesus stepped in and took their place. The wrong things that we've done, uh, the Bible says, are very serious. They cut us off from God and they leave us facing God's judgment. But Jesus, in his love, stepped in, took our place, died the death we deserve, paid for the wrong We've done so we can be free to know God and be forgiven. 
Earlier in the Bible, in uh, the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, it looks forward to what Jesus was going to do on the cross. And this is what it says. It said, he was pierced for our transgressions. That means sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We've all gone astray. We've all done wrong towards God and towards others. We've fallen short of our own standards, never mind God's. If Jesus hadn't died, there would be this sort of huge uh, unpaid bill hanging over us of God's judgments. But because Jesus really died and he died for our sins, if we put our trust in him, we can know that his death was for us, that everything is sorted between us and God. Everything's paid for, everything's forgiven. Whatever we've done, we can have a fresh start, we can have peace with God. And that is a wonderful part of the message of Easter. I'm so grateful that Jesus died for me and the freedom that that brings. So these women knew that Jesus really had died. But secondly, they heard that Jesus was really alive. They heard that he was really alive. As they approached the tomb, before they heard anything, uh, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Now, that in itself didn't mean that Jesus had been raised back to life. Perhaps there was another explanation. And in fact, if we read in John's gospel, the different gospel Different Gospels have different details that they include, uh, but they all fit together. Um, In John's Gospel, he adds that Mary Magdalene jumped to the conclusion when she saw the open uh, tomb that Jesus' body had been taken away. Grave robbers had struck. And you see, the fact is that Jesus had talked about the fact that he was going to die and he was going to rise again. But no one was expecting it to happen. Despite what Jesus said, the people who were close to him, the people who'd heard it many times, the people who trusted Jesus, the people who'd seen him do amazing things, they still didn't believe or expect that this was going to happen. And these women certainly didn't believe it. Why would they have come to anoint his body in the first place? They didn't see the open tomb and think, fantastic, it's just what he said. Uh, Where is he? He's alive somewhere. No, It says they were alarmed. They thought he was dead. They opened to him. There must be a sinister explanation. I guess this kind of addresses another theory that some people have who are skeptical about the resurrection. Some people would say, you know, these followers of Jesus, they were so convinced. Well, actually, some people say they believe anything in those days. Um, But also other people would say, They were so convinced that Jesus would rise from the dead. They were just wanting it to happen that they just started sort of seeing things, kind of hallucinations. They ended up seeing what they wanted to see. Um, But these, these women at the tomb, they weren't getting carried away with their imagination. In fact, they had to be told what was going on. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. 
see the place where they laid him. Matthew, in his, his gospel account, tells us this young man dressed in white was an angel. And the clear message is Jesus' body's not here, he's alive, he's risen. But how do we know that this really happens? How can we be sure about that today, 2,000 years later? I think it's really important that we, we sort of grasp this idea that in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it, it is evidence. It's not just religious writing. It's evidence from people who are there writing it down so that people who weren't there, like us, can believe it. It's so important to them. They had to write it down. They had to communicate it. They spent plenty of time spreading the word as well, uh, mouth to mouth. Um, but... Uh, when we read the gospel accounts, they don't, if you've ever read them, I can encourage you, if you haven't read the gospel accounts, perhaps it's a great little thing to do this afternoon or over Easter, read, um, read them. They don't read like fiction. They don't read like a sort of a myth and a fable with a sort of a meaning at the end. No, they, they come across like factual accounts, which is what they were. I once went to a conference in London um, and it was all about difficult questions that people ask about the Christian faith. And there was this guy there on the stage. He was a barrister being interviewed. And he came, he'd come from a, really, a deeply skeptical and atheistic background. He'd been brought up to believe that the Christian faith is on the same level as fairy stories. And he was asked, um, what was it that caused you to turn to Jesus as your Lord and God. He said, as a barrister, I'm used to listening to eyewitness statements and assessing them. I look for authenticity. I read the gospel accounts. There is a degree of variance, difference in them, but it has a ring of authenticity. If witness accounts are tightly identical, you can be sure there's been a stitch up. An agreed line concocted in advance. Furthermore, there's a level of honesty about the disciples' failure in the Gospels. Where witnesses in court are fabricating, they always come out purer than pure. But as we read these accounts, the disciples are quite often open about their failure. This is someone who, um, just picking up a few of the reasons why he was convinced about the Bible's evidence, and that we can rely on these uh, accounts as being reliable, truthful accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But if it was, if it was Jesus' death that put us right with God, why is the, the resurrection bit so important? Well, I won't read out all the verses from the Bible that talk about this, but here's sort of three main things that I've picked out from that the Bible teaches about it. Number one, it proves that Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God. Anyone can go around saying, you know, I'm the Son of God, I'm the Son of God. So the mental hospitals, I guess, are full of people saying that kind of thing. But rising from the dead was real proof of who he said he was. Secondly, it proves that Jesus' rescue worked. 
He said he was dying to bring forgiveness and and right relationship with God to those who put their faith in him. Anyone can go around saying that. Oh yeah, I'm going to die for the sins of the world. I'm going to die to put you right with God. But when he, he was raised from the dead, it proved that it had worked. In fact, the early disciples, the particular way they put it was, God raised him from the dead. Not even to say Jesus rose from the dead, but God raised him from the dead. It was like God's seal of approval. Yes, I accept Jesus' sacrifice for sins. And thirdly, it proves that those who belong to Jesus, he gives them new life, which goes on forever. When we believe and trust in Jesus, Um, what happened to him happens to us. Uh, We die to our old way of life. We rise to a new life. It's depicted in Christian baptism. Uh, We're forgiven so we can live the new life that God always meant us to live. That's what it's all about. That's what the forgiveness bit's all about. It's, It's not a thing in itself. It leads to a new life of a free, a full relationship with God's, to know God's love and his presence and his peace and his purpose for our lives, whatever goes on through all the ups and downs of life. I know if you're a Christian here this morning, this isn't new stuff for you, but it's great to be reminded of it again this Easter Sunday. It should thrill your heart. It should give you confidence to say, yeah, I'm, I'm on the right track here. Even though there are difficulties in life, and even sometimes being a Christian uh, brings difficulties. We think, no, this is the right thing to do. Jesus has died and risen again to give me new life. I'm living out life as it's meant to be lived. And it should make us want that for other people as well. As we, as we pray for them, as we try and share our faith with them. I was um, talking to a friend the other day who isn't a Christian. And um, it came up that I was speaking on Easter Sunday. And uh, he said to me, so what's your message? And I said, um, Jesus died and rose again to give us new life. Uh, thankfully, it did come to mind what I was actually speaking on. Um, and actually, at the, the, uh, the, the, we had a really good time with the kids, the family extravaganza on Friday. That was the heart of the message. I said there as well, illustrated with a little chick and, uh, and inside an egg and a fire engine inside a chocolate egg. But I won't go into that again. Um, but anyway, I said to this guy, um, Jesus died and rose again to give us new life. And he said as part of the conversation, he said, you know, I think that's great for people who need that kind of thing. And I wanted to say to him, it just didn't really seem right at the time. I wanted to say, no, no, you need it. We all need this. This is not like a kind of a, an optional extra, a nice to have a sort of personal preference, a a crutch for the weak. If there really is a God and there really is sort of, we're not right with God, we need his forgiveness. We need to escape from the judgment we deserve, but also we need that new life. We need to come into life as it's meant to be lived, the life we were made for. If you're not a Christian here this morning, if you don't know the new life of Jesus, there's an invitation for you. I can tell you, it's definitely for you. Uh, You're not the wrong kind of person. You do need it. God does want to forgive you. He does want to give you his new life. It is for you. It is for people like you and me. So Jesus died. Uh, He really died. He really rose from the grave. 
But back to those women at the tomb, what was their response to all of this? They were confused, afraid, and silence. The angel said, but go tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is actually the end of Mark's gospel. Um, It's quite interesting, really, that it finishes there. It finishes very abruptly. So much so that in the past, people have thought, no, it can't end there. Maybe we've lost a page. Or maybe we need to recreate a a, a more rounded ending. And actually, in in some of our Bibles, we've got the sort of... uh, the, the main attempt that people made to add an extra ending onto Mark's gospel. Because it seems so abrupt, you think you can't have it finishing there. Jesus risen from the dead and the, the, the disciples are just confused and afraid and don't say anything to anyone. But I think if you read through Mark's gospel, you find that Mark wants to challenge people. Who, who do you think Jesus is? Why do you think he came? What is your response to him. And it kind of fits with that, I think, that Mark wants to leave his readers with a challenge. And, and perhaps, that's what, well, perhaps that's what he's doing here. Um, he's saying, look, this was their response. At least this was their initial response. Um, but what's your response going to be to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead? Now, of course, this, isn't, this might be the end of Mark's gospel. It's not the end of the story. They must have said something to someone. Otherwise, we wouldn't have known uh, what happened to them that day. And of course, when we read the other gospels, we, we find a bit more about what happened from then on. Uh, in fact, we read that the, the women soon met the risen Jesus in person. And that made all the difference. They became convinced they did go and tell the others. But initially, they were confused, afraid, and silence. I don't want to leave us with that challenge this morning. Uh, just from that way he ends the gospel. What's your response to the evidence of Jesus' resurrection from the eyewitnesses who were there? You might be confused about it. You might have big questions. You might be afraid about the implications for your life if you were to believe and trust in this and live your life by it. You, you might want to keep silence, at least to most people, about the fact that you're interested in Jesus. Well, you're, in, you're in good company, in a way, with those women at the tomb. They didn't get it straight away. That's how things were to start with. They were confused, afraid, and silence. Maybe you've been exploring the Christian faith for a while. Maybe you're only really just thinking about it this morning. Keep exploring. Keep asking questions. At King's Church, we love to help people explore the Christian faith because we're convinced that nothing matters more than receiving Jesus' new life through his death and resurrection for us. As Rich mentioned earlier, we've got the, the Why Easter books um, on, on our seats. Do take one of those if you'd like to. Have a read through that. Um, we've also got a slightly longer book, um, The Case for Easter at the information table at the back. That gives a little bit more detail about kind of evidence for the resurrection. 
We've got our Explore course coming up. Um, we've got Sunday mornings. If you're here for your first time this morning um, and, and you thought it was all right at least this morning, then come back another Sunday because it'll be very similar. And we've found over the years that many people have found just by coming along on a Sunday, not feeling they have to join in with everything or stand up for all the singing, but they can just come and just sit there and just take it all in and join in it as much or as little as they want to, as we often say. Come, keep coming on Sundays. Keep exploring. Keep thinking about it. If this is true, that Jesus really did die and rise again to give us new life, it's, it must be worth investigating. But for those of us who are Christians here this morning, there's still a challenge for us as well, I think. If we say, yeah, I believe that Jesus really died and rose again for me. He's my king and my savior. I've been forgiven. Nothing matters more than, uh, than Jesus. But yet, and this is true for me as well, there are often times when we would admit, you know what, I am afraid. I am silent to talk to anyone about this thing that's supposed to be the most important thing in the world. We say nothing to anyone because we are afraid. Maybe you're here this morning as someone, you, maybe you work with people, maybe you've got people in your family, maybe you live next door to people, they don't, they don't know you're a Christian. Well, knowing what we know about Jesus, knowing that he commanded us to go and tell others about him, knowing it's such good news, let me encourage you, don't be silent about Jesus. Let me encourage you. And I think probably the best way to, to want to share Jesus with people in a, in a, as, you know, as we get the opportunity in the, at the right moment, in the right way, I think the best thing is, is to keep looking at Jesus, to get excited again, get thrilled again, get convinced again, just how wonderful uh, Jesus is and what he's done for you. We can take it all for granted, but it's life-changing and it's the best news in the whole world. So let's pray that we have that kind of fresh wonder. I pray that this, this morning would have helped you get a sort of fresh wonder about Jesus, the risen Jesus. Uh, let's pray for opportunities to share Jesus. I was so pleased to be able to talk to my uh, neighbor the other day about things, and I've been praying for him. Um, let's pray for boldness to take the opportunities that come along and the right words to say, because we just want people to know that forgiveness and new life that Jesus came to bring. Well, the band are going to come up. Uh, we're just going to sing a song to respond with in a, in a moment. Um, but I'm going to pray now. Maybe just, a, just in a moment of quiet, we can perhaps just think about what our response to the, the risen Jesus is this morning. You might be here as someone who's not a Christian or not sure you're a Christian. Maybe even a time to just say to God, actually, some of you might want to say, actually, I, Jesus, I want this. I don't know an awful lot about it, but I do want to be a Christian. I do want your new life. I do want your forgiveness. Thank you for what you came to bring. You can say that to, to him in your own words. Maybe you want to ask God, if he's there, if he's real, will he help you to understand and know him. And as Christians this morning, maybe we do just want to perhaps commit again to living out this risen new life that Jesus came to bring and sharing that with others.
Just have a moment of, of quiet and then I'll pray. Father God, we do thank you for sending Jesus, your son, into the world. Thank you that it's great to remember him at Christmas. Uh, it's even better remembering what he did at Easter. We thank you uh, that we can live in the good of what Jesus came to do, his rescue mission. Uh, we can live in the good of that day by day and share that with others. We just pray that you would give us, even on this Easter Sunday, just a better understanding, a better kind of revelation of uh, who Jesus is and what he's done for us and what our response should be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.